you know, our goal is to help support ag teachers. And one thing that we noticed when we look through different literature is that the way that people talk about work-life balance, it was often framed as a personal choice of the ag teacher. That all you have to do is make a choice and you can be balanced. And if you do this, then voila, you're going to be successful, you're going to be happy. Welcome to Al Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Alpellets crew is Kate Shoulders, Marshall Baker, Mike Ritalik, and Brian Myers. All right, Ashley Yop, Richie Roberts, and Haley Trainee, welcome to Alpellets. Thank you. Everybody, <laughs> glad to be here. I love the delayed enthusiasm. It, that that is the expectation level that we need to have here. That that that's that's great. Really, really appreciate you guys making time here and um, really have this dream team together with us here to talk about some some great research that you guys did that has a lot of practicality and a, and a really great discussion uh, for our ag teachers across the country. So. But before we get into that, I'd like each of you guys to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, what you're doing. So Ashley, why don't you start us off? Oh, hey everybody, I'm Ashley Yop. I'm an assistant professor of agriculture education at the University of Georgia. Um, I'm originally from North Carolina where I taught high school ag up in the Northeastern part of the state. And yeah, now I'm in South Georgia uh, preparing ag teachers and doing some cool research. So I'm excited. Very cool. See, and this is showing that a Florida Gator and a Georgia Bulldog can be in the same virtual room together and get along just really, really well. Only for a short period of time, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Richie, tell us about yourself. Save us here. <laughs> I'm Richie Roberts. I'm an assistant professor of agriculture education at Louisiana State University. So I prepare future ag teachers. And then my other side of my appointment is I work with our global ag uh, initiatives and so I help with study abroads and I help kind of uh, initiate engagements between our university and other international universities. Go Tigers. Awesome. <laughs> Go Tigers, that's right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Haley, tell us about yourself. Hey, hey everyone. I'm Haley Trainee. I'm an assistant professor of leadership education at Oregon State University. Go Beavs. I'm originally from California, taught high school ag there for about five years uh, before coming to Oregon State. I'm excited to be here today. I just thought of this. I should, I, I have a Bucky Beaver flat Bucky foldout somewhere here that I got several years ago that I should have brought out for this very event. I don't have a bulldog or a um, tiger out there, but you know, I should, I should have brought that with me. I apologize. My my deepest respects to the to the to the Bucky Beaver fans out there. Is Bucky Benny's uh, Benny. Benny's cousin? Yeah, Benny Beaver. Yes, I got it wrong. I was like Bucky's Greg Johnson great, never Bucky's is a great rest stop in Texas though. That also has Bucky. <laughs> For those of you that listen, yeah. please send those mascots to uh, Dr. Uh, Brian Myers at uh, University <laughs> of Florida, Roffs Hall, Gainesville. Oh my goodness. Oh, that'd be awesome. So to get us back on track and me to get my mascot names right, 
let's talk a little bit about what the what we're going to be focusing on in this conversation kind of a quick overview all right i can take that one so this is a presentation of our um, paper called the success trap very dramatic for you um, a case study of early career ag education teachers conceptualizations of work-life balance so as teacher um, educators you know we you know our goal is to help support ag teachers and one thing that we noticed when we looked through different literature was that the way that people talk about work-life balance, it was often framed as a personal choice of the ag teacher, that all you have to do is make a choice and you can be balanced. And if you do this, then voila, you're going to be successful, you're going to be happy. But as we started to dig into the literature and as we started to think, we thought, you know what, what if this idea of work-life balance isn't just a simple choice that you can make? What if there are other factors at play, other forces that influence how you think about work-life balance and how you actually try to achieve it? And so that's what we are really getting at with this study was we wanted to talk to different ag teachers in Louisiana, specifically those who are in their early career, and try to work through some of this, you know, some of these questions about work-life balance. You know, what is this dominant narrative that we hear about work-life balance? Is it achievable? And how are we actually thinking about it? And how is it influencing the way that we go about our work? Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of, I was sitting at a conference this time last year when Haley was, was, Haley was presenting um, some other research in work-life balance. And it just resonated with me and my own experiences as an ag teacher and how I just felt like no matter what I did or what changes I made, it just, I just was not capable of juggling it all. I was not capable of doing it. And it seemed like every year they were adding something else to my plate or my job was expanding. So it wasn't like something I could really, you know, get a hold on. Um, and so that's where kind of I, I talked to Haley. I was like, how can we really maybe go about understanding um, this work-life balance issue, but in a different part of the country, um, specifically the South, Richie and I are down here in the South. So that kind of led to this opportunity to work with early career teachers in Louisiana um, ask them about, you know, what they think balance is, what is success, what does it mean to be successful in ag ed, um, and more so, do you know anyone that's balanced and successful? Uh, what are they like? Um, are, how do you, how are you setting yourself up for a career where you can be both successful and, you know, have a home life, have a very balanced thought process about, about what we do? And so that's kind of how this evolved. Well, I think that's great. I mean, that tells people why we go across the country sometime to these meetings. It's a chance that we can share ideas and come back and really go back and work with our local, the folks in our local state to get these ideas from other places. And so uh, this is this is the perfect reason. And if ag teachers wonder why the university people travel so much and why we do some of these things, you guys are provided a great example and a great model for all of us to follow on why we travel and then what we do when we come back and build these teams to help out. So that's, that's fantastic. So, so with that, what, what's the big finding? Give me the big reveal here. What's the take-home nuggets for our ag teachers and our state leaders? So I'll jump in and take that, I guess. Um, so kind of our big finding and kind of the name of the paper is the success trap. And so the success trap is all about how we start to feel pressure from individuals of influence in agriculture education, whether that be state leaders, administrators, or individuals of influence in our communities. And so they, you know, we start to feel that pressure to be successful. And so, um, it, but once we start to become successful, maybe we start 
winning awards and getting banners or other types of, uh, you know, these, these uh, aspects that would, uh, many people would be considered successful, um, then we kind of get trapped into that. We start feeling like we have to continue to build upon that to be able to have a successful program. And so that kind of creates this so snowball effect of where it leads to things like uh, what we call the work eclipse, where you know we have this taste of success we want to continue to build upon that and then so work starts to completely overtake our lives in ways that we you know it really diminishes a lot of aspects of our personal lives we stop spending time with family and friends to really uh get a leg up on whatever it is that we're trying to do in our programs and so that work eclipse creates this really uh you know kind of negative aspect of, of work-life balance and really uh kind of tilts it uh, away from work-life balance to more just work oriented and then, um, you know, we really start to become silenced as we kind of get into that by kind of this reinforcement that that's the things that we are supposed to be doing because we are getting awarded for that. We are being recognized for that. And so that's kind of the big findings. And then we really wanted to think more deeply about what that meant and how we can start making a change in our discipline. And I'll kind of let Ashley and, and uh, Haley jump in with that part. Yeah, one of the big take homes from um, this that I noticed while Richie and I were working with these Louisiana Ag teachers is that, that there was a lot of silence and that folks weren't talking about these issues of work-life balance. Like early career teachers didn't feel comfortable expressing their thoughts, their feelings, their problems, their issues ever. Um, and some of the things that we learned from them is that they didn't really feel like it was something they should be talking about, that their leaders were telling them to grin and bear it, to really, you know, work your butt off, uh, that's your job. I know in some places they say, you know, I have a older ag teachers, more seasoned ag teachers might say I have a part time job. I work 12 hours a day. And this this idea of reinforced work hard, work hard, work hard and keep your mouth shut is, is really detrimental to them because they're not being able to express what they're going through. And a lot of times they're leaving the profession because they just don't feel supported in that way. So it really makes us think about, you know, what can we do to support ag teachers? What can we do to change the narrative, change the, the way that we're talking about this and create space for ag teachers to share their struggles? You know, and we're not saying don't work hard. We believe in hard work um, and that ag teachers should do their jobs. And we're not also saying that we should just complain all the time, but we recognize that there should be space to acknowledge challenges associated with the profession because we know there are challenges and we know, you know, just in this conversation that there's research, you know, through and through that talks about the challenges. And so if we can't even speak about them, then it's no wonder that ag teachers, you know, are staying silent and they keep pushing and then potentially leave the profession. Yeah, another thing that I would say is um, we probably need to, you know, our work, you know, a big goal of that was to really bring awareness to this issue that, you know, these individuals of influence in the ag ed arena are, you know, kind of perpetuating this. They're really encouraging this to happen. And so by just, you know, calling attention to that and recognizing it, hopefully we can create awareness and start having conversations with some of those leaders about how to talk to their early career teachers in really positive ways that really reinforce this notion of work-life balance. And so really it's about creating, you know, just a conversation and bringing awareness because I think a lot of times we don't realize that we're doing that. And so how do we begin to just make that shift in, in some of our leaders' minds and, and how they talk to, to our young teachers? I think one thing that was most interesting to me about our study is the difference in the way 
teachers, early career teachers in Louisiana communicated versus what I saw in Haley's study originally in the, the Northwest. And so they seem to be more open about talking about a lot of these issues, whereas our Louisiana ag teachers weren't as necessarily. So that leads us you know, down a path. Are there regional differences the way that we talk about issues of work-life balance, the way we talk about home, the way that we talk about mental health, the way that we talk about anxiety? Um, there just seems to be differences there that I think need to be further explored. Um, I live and grew up in the South and I, I feel naturally some of those issues that we don't talk about. And so I think that's something important for our teachers moving forward and how do we help support those conversations. So as you, as you think about uh, the study and some of the findings that you had, um, you know, that whole idea of the success trap and uh, the finding that you had related to that. Um, have you been able to kind of scratch the surface of how uh, teachers really start to develop that realization of what success is and how the community defines it and those influencers that you've talked about? You know, is that uh, real versus kind of perceived um, challenges there? And, and how does that, how does that uh, kind of unfold? Um, I think it's both. I think it is real as well as perceived. Um, I know in our study before, um, Ashley, so just to give a little bit of background and context to how this kind of happened, Ashley actually came down to do a professional development session for us here in Louisiana at our summer conference, and uh, it was on work-life work -life balance. And um, one of our state leaders kind of uh, introduced her as, hey, I know you have this session on work-life balance, but I don't really think that's a thing. I think you need to be really focused on your career right now. Said it a little more harshly than, than that. Um, and so there was this real aspect of, hey, this is not going to be very valued, this session, because that's not what our leaders are telling us. But then, um, you know, I think a, a lot of our young, you know, people uh, kind of have this perspective that, I have to do X, Y, and Z. They're expecting me to do this, and, and they are kind of putting those own stressors on themselves. So I think it's kind of this delicate balance between the two that in some of our states uh, that, you know, these real uh, comments are being made by some of our leaders. And so how do we begin to bring awareness to kind of the detriment that, that can bring to our, our young teachers? Yeah, and I, I don't think we think about or talk about enough how a lot of these or when a lot of this starts. So we start grooming people to be ag teachers when they're in middle school and high school. And so they're around a lot of these, these issues and they, they learn how to be an ag teacher from a very early age. And sometimes those pressures and the way that we look up to the people who groomed us, the teachers, the leaders, it creates a system where we're afraid to talk about things because we really respect them and they want it, we really want them to you know think highly of what we're doing and so we continue that that issue of being quiet about it um in terms of success we also want them to be proud of us and so we continuously are going for more and more and more um i came into a program that kind of had a lull for a while and so anything i did was really appreciated uh with my students um but some folks are going into you know machines they're going into to high powered programs with multiple teachers who have this winning tradition. And that's hard to keep up with. It's hard to meet those expectations, but not just meet them constantly doing more and more and more to, um, I don't know, continuously 
in our minds grow and help our students, but maybe it's that we're just trapped in this place and we want to make people happy. Well, yeah, and I think a lot of it sounds what I'm hearing and just having this flashback from when I was teaching high school. And, and yes, I can remember that far back. I'm, I'm not that old. <laughs> um, you know, there were days of just, you, you, there was a badge of honor almost by the number of hours you put in. It was able to say, and, and the stories we would tell each other. And, and yeah, there were days that ag teachers, you work really, really hard. You put a lot of hours in, but there's also days that you were able to kind of, you know, get out as soon as the bell rang and go, go fishing if you needed to, or go, go do whatever you wanted to go do. Um, but that's not the story we tell. And, you know, I can sit here, I, I just hit me right now thinking about a time when I was sitting at my desk in this high school working on there, kind of got everything done that needed to be done. And I'm like, well, I could go now, but I'm like, no, it's not, it's still not here. I, I got, I have to stay until this late hour to go because I, I've got to be here. I'm like, well, why? I mean, I, I was beyond the hour of when I was contract. I'd gotten the work done, but to be able to have that badge of, of honor to say, I stayed at the school until such and such time, we, we have to get, tell somebody a different story. And luckily I, I broke out of that with some good mentoring um, to, to do that. But it kind of goes back to that whole idea of how do we get our veterans, teachers, our, our leaders, formal and informal leaders to tell a better story or maybe even a more accurate story, to be honest. I love that. I think, you know, I think I saw this in a Brene Brown book saying that we've got to stop using exhaustion as a status symbol. And we certainly do that. I mean, I remember doing that. And you, you see people post Instagram posts when you're leaving the school at 4 a.m. for a contest that's across the state. What's, what's the need there? What, why do we do that? But I think it kind of goes back to this bigger, this bigger brand that we have as ag teachers. And it's, I don't think it's intended to be bad, but we, we have this message that says that, you know, ag teaching is your life. We are ag teachers. We're different. We're better. We do more than other teachers. You know, this is who we are. And it seems like this, to be a good ag teacher, you have to pour your entire life into it. And it has to be your whole identity. And I think that works for a lot of people. And I wouldn't knock people who, you know, that's the case. But I also think, and I have no you know, evidence to back this up, but I also think that maybe there's a new generation coming in where people don't necessarily want their job to be their entire life. And coming into ag, you know, is that even possible? Can we do that? Can we do both at the same time? So I think maybe it's time we start to rethink that. And, you know, what are the messages we're sending about what it means to be a good ag teacher? And, you know, is it, to do to be good do you have to invest your entire life into it is it your whole identity or can there be room for other things i think there's also a huge shift in the makeup of ag teachers these days and i mean female ag teachers are way over um out outnumbering male ag teachers these days and the responsibilities that go along with teaching ag and being a mother and, and helping take care of a family are different than I think maybe this profession started in a more male dominated space. And I think that those undercurrents, that that, that shift is going to eventually be something where we're, we're behind the eight ball. We have to figure this out. We have to make it more sustainable. Um, otherwise we're gonna lose a lot of folks really quickly. And a lot of our participants talked about how they had these aspired boundaries. They really wanted to create this boundary between work and life, but they really just didn't understand what that looked like. They saw people, you know, people that they looked up to on social media that were posting family pictures and all this kind of stuff, but they just didn't really know how to make, 
you know, this, have a successful career and have a, have a successful life like they want to have. Um, they didn't understand what that looked like and how to make that happen. And so I think a lot of the conversation needs to start having is what does this look like? You know, you know, obviously it's going to be different for every person, but I mean, we need to uh, create more conversations around how to have both, I guess. No, I found it uh, interesting and, and the conversations really kind of filtering around the fact that uh, we're talking about a, a segment of our pre profession, early career teachers, that we have power factors, we have personality factors, or they're introverted or extroverted. Um, and there's all kinds of different kind of factors that are, that are playing a role in that. But as we, as we think about our profession and I know I, I'd be one of those that would have been the silent kind of grin and bear it type situation uh, individual probably in all of this, but um, the change is really going to probably come from the mid career and, and late career as well as the, the leaders of our profession. So what advice, what little tidbits do, do you all have uh, that you provide those teachers that are later in their career or, or uh, leaders of our profession related to this that could help those early career teachers? really be more interested in how you and Dr. Myers feel about that and what you think, um, what type of narrative, what type of supports, what types of things we should be doing for early career teachers. You guys are leaders in our field. Come on, we're supposed to be asking the questions. Darn it. That, that's not idea. how this works. Well played, well played, well played, but no, 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 no. You know, we, 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 we only come up with the questions. We have no answers. You, you do raise a, a great question. And I think that's where, you know, one of the things um, with the roles that we play is how do, how do you balance that? And how do you figure out that work-life balance? And how do you support a young uh, faculty member who's a single parent and her spouse is in uh, Mexico and they got a two-year-old that's home and, and uh, quarantined. And how do you expect her in a tenure track um, situation to uh, have that balance? And, you know, it's one of those things where it, I, I don't know, um, you got to be aware of it. I think it looks and feels a little bit different for each individual. So I think that's what you need to be somewhat aware of and then just figuring out how that how that balance works. And I know for some of them, um, that work-life balance is, is a line is a lot more black and white. And in other cases, and I think we, I've certainly seen this in my experiences during uh, the time that we've been quarantined, um, it's really blurred more and people have been a lot more acceptant of, okay, it's okay to have kids in the background or kids climbing on you or noise in the background. And that's just part of life. And I can't neatly and very black and whitely separate um, my work and, and, and that's okay. Um, but people also know that they got to step away and uh, have, have a life outside of a career as well. And I would just say from our point, you know, you know, we're sitting here, we're all still, I'm not sure when this is going to drop and what kind of situation we're going to be in out there at the podcast, but right now we're all still working from home and I just heard the door open and close here at my house and, and I told you guys before, so I now officially have a, a high schooler again in the household. My youngest son 
Today was his last day of eighth grade, went and dropped off the books at the school and did those sort of things. And so I know where I am in my, my life is different than where the, the, a teacher is that has small children or no children or a single or married or dealing with a, an aging parent or whatever else. And so I think part of it is an understanding that everybody's in a, a different stage of life. But it's also with that is making sure that we are, are, are careful of how we might unintentionally support um, a work-life balance that we, that we don't say we support because it's very easy for me to go through and commend somebody for an award you just won or to commend somebody for, wow, it was great to see how hard you work on this particular thing or whatever else and never commend them on, hey, I'm really glad you took a vacation or I'm really glad to see how you balance these things out or, or those sort of things. And I think while completely unintentional, people in leadership roles could, could, could do things to not support it, um, to, to make those things. And so we halfway joking, to, I always tell our people, it is not a contest to see who can die with the most unused vacation time. Right. Um, to do that. But with that, also the understanding that we're going to mess up. That, that I will do something sometime, I will say something and do something that will unintentionally not support what I believe and as far as trying to help new, new folks in early, early, career, uh, early career stages and, and being willing to admit that and then hopefully everybody has the grace to forgive me when I screw up and know that we're trying. And I think that's a lot of folks that, that as leaders, this, you're talking about in your case as, as the ag teacher leaders we need to be able to because even those senior te those senior teachers they make mistakes and i think sometimes if somebody keeps telling me you're a senior teacher you're a teacher leader in your state they're afraid to admit mistakes or admit afraid to admit when they get it wrong because they're everybody thinks i got it all figured out and i know i don't none of us have it all figured out and and we all we always say we need to give the early career folks the the grace to make mistakes we need to give the veterans the grace to make mistakes too because we do and and make it make it okay with all that and and i think this trying to figure out as you go through different stages of life because it, it changes and each of us are in a different situation I, if it was easy we'd all write a book sell a thousand you know quadrillion copies of it and buy an island somewhere um to do that yeah thank you guys for sharing those those are great um and, and that's really been a lot of our conversation is just uh, you know, Haley, through a lot of her work and through the work that we're, we've done here is we've kind of painted what the landscape is and I get in terms of work-life balance, what it looks like and what's happening. But now we really, our conversations are really starting to move in the direction of what does a reimagined landscape look like where work-life balance is achievable. And so that's really where we're putting a lot of our thought and conversation as we start to, to kind of move forward from this project of, you know, how do we begin this transformation of what, what it looks like? And so, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you guys saying that. And I think those are really powerful statements in terms of really making the, the shift and mindset shift in terms of what work-life balance is and how we can start to um, celebrate work and life success. I think some big take-homes in terms of what folks can really do. Um, things that I'm hoping from our leadership, people who are much more well-seasoned, who understand AGED in a more complex way. Um, I hope they begin helping us facilitate change. And they also help us model, like 
balanced behaviors for future or new and young ag teachers. Um, for me, I hope ag teachers can start editing and start thinking about what parts of my program are maybe not benefiting students the way I think they are. What do we continue to do? What can be taken back so that I can be the best ag teacher for my students and be really great for my family at home or, or lead a really balanced life. Um, I think we continuously add, but we never kind of edit and take things away. And I hope we also really continue to reinforce this idea of mentorship, but in general, I think a lot of models of mentorship are pair a new ag teacher with an older ag teacher. And I don't necessarily think that works all the time. It's not necessarily authentic. Sometimes the best you know, mentor for us could be someone who's down the road who might be teaching the last, you know, three more years than I have. So thinking about models of mentorship, I think is really important. But more than anything, and you mentioned it, is that we just start to give each other grace um, and think about why we do what we do, what's important about what we do, what really is the end goal here, and how can we support each other in doing that? Well, I think that's a great thing, way to wrap things up. Thank you all very much. And you know, with that is remembering that that work-life balance, it's, it's not necessarily a balance, but it's just recognizing all parts of, of people, what's going on to do those things. And also part of it too is remembering that, uh, you know, too many times and it makes me cringe when people, they're, whether they're, whatever their, their life stage is, whether they're, they're married, single, have a partner, don't have a partner, have kids, don't have kids, it doesn't mean that you can eat into any other part of their life as, as, as than anybody else. So uh, respecting all that. So thank you all very much for leading us through this conversations. Congratulations to Ashley for making Mike and I actually work for part of this podcast and making us go from there. Um, I, you know, I'll never I, be asked to do one again, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a great conversation. I again, commend you guys on not only the outcome of your work, but how you went across doing it, I think just shows the collaboration that we're supposed to be having and working together to make these things go. So thank you all very, very much for sharing this with us on Owl Pellets. Thank, Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Socialize with us by following Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can join the conversation by adding your thoughts in the comments and sharing the podcast with others. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you and we'll look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.